What happens when you look at creativity through the lens of therapy and vice versa? You have creativity in an ever-changing world with Dr. Judy Bloom and Richard Skipper. In every episode, they come together with amazing artists who prove that with just a little ingenuity, we are all creative beings and that the gifts lie within despite the challenges of the outside world. And now, here are Dr. Judy Bloom and Richard Skipper. Welcome home. Thank you, Richard. I've missed you. <laughs> oh, I've missed you. How long has it been? It seems like it's been at least five months. Yeah, it has been. It was, I think, um, June, late June, I think, was our, our last, uh, you know, podcast together or maybe early July. But it's been a while. It was in June uh, when we, I know that we did the show celebrating uh, uh, the road to Oz. We right. did that show. And you've been on this whirlwind honeymoon. Well, I don't know if it's just the honeymoon or it's just life, but, you know, Tom and I really embrace life. And at this point in our lives, both feel that, you know, if not now, when, right? That's so, the theme that keeps popping up. So thank yeah, you for saying that. Exactly. So we just get out there and do it and uh, try to figure out a way to make it happen. What we didn't expect was the hurricane that we came home to. Uh, wow. as, you, as you know, I live in Naples, Florida, and we were hit. Um, Hurricane Ian did its did its damage, uh, and we are you know at this point we were fortunate. It was just our foyer and garage uh, and elevator that got knocked out. So expensive to fix, yes, um, but you know we could have it could have been a whole lot worse. So we're well, still in process. I am glad that you're back. And I want to give a little background. Uh, I know that those who I see that are watching the show today uh, already know that uh, a few months ago, when Elon Musk took over Twitter, uh, I decided it was time for me to drop that platform. Mm -hmm. So I left that. Uh, Tesla Bella, who does our voiceovers, you just heard her voice, uh, she uh, had a, an account called Fans of Richard Skipper Celebrates on Twitter. So I reached out to her and I said, I'm leaving Twitter. Uh, and uh, she said, well, should I do the same thing? I said, well, that's up to you. But just delete the fans of Richard Skipper Celebrates platform, which she did. And she said, next is Facebook. She said that she left Facebook four years ago. And she felt, felt for her personally that it was the greatest thing that she ever did. We even had a conversation about this yesterday. So I have not completely left Facebook. I have deactivated my account and I will come back one day a month just to do a check-in with everybody. And that's going to be the extent of it. Um, I will say this today is day eight and I haven't missed it. And what ended up happening, and I know I'm going to sound like a broken record to those of you who have heard this before, but a friend of mine passed away uh, a few months ago. Uh, a few weeks ago, actually. And uh, when I found out about it and I reached out to another friend of mine, his response was, well, I figured that you would already know about this because you're always on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Well, number one, I'm not always on Facebook. And this is a life-changing situation when someone passes away. So the fact that, and this is not an, a dig on anyone, but out of everyone that I know in the theatrical and cabaret community who knew of my relationship, this was my director, uh, passing away, one person called to offer condolences. 
And I think it has to do with the fact that we have gotten so used to this white world that people will sometimes either like, comment, or share, and they move on to the next item in their news list. And I have just reached a point as I'm going into the next year of my life uh, that I want to be more than just an item in someone's newsfeed. And I think, unfortunately, that's the main way that we are communicating these days. Mm -hmm. And I want something more. And that's why I personally have decided to step away from Facebook for a while. And now I will turn it over to you. Well, you know, and I think that those are really good reasons to step away from, from that platform uh, and others. You know, there is, social media has really taken over our lives in many, many different ways. And while there are some benefits to it, there are some pluses, like being able to stay in touch with people who are far away, um, you know, share family photos kinds of situations or even connect with like-minded people in a way that you might not be able to in a, in a specific community of people where you can feel supported that way. So it's got its benefits, but I think it's drawbacks in my opinion outweigh its benefits. Um, we see increasing mental health problems, depression, anxiety, uh, there's cyberbullying, there's enormous amounts of misinformation that gets spread on the internet um, via social media. Uh, you know, all of these, and, and I think it really uh, enhances the polarization that we see in society. So, you know, the, to me, these are major negative effects of our social media addiction. And for many people, it is an addiction. Um, so we're, we'll get more into that during the show, but I, it really is a, a a problematic, let's put it that way, mm -hmm. uh, way of being in communication with other people. I tend not to use it uh, very much, hardly at all. I don't think I've been on Facebook in a couple of months, at least, and not even- That explains why you don't respond to my posts. <laughs> right? I just don't no, bother. it's true. It's true. Yeah, I just don't, I don't bother. I don't go on. I, you know, I have other things I'd rather do with my time. Well, same here. And well, Tesla Bella, and she said, Richard, feel free to quote me. So I'm using her. Uh, but she said to me yesterday, she one day she just had this epiphany moment mm -hmm. where she said, why am I, uh, why am I allowing my self-worth mm -hmm. to be based on whether someone is going to hit a like button on a post uh, or share or comment on it? And I think, unfortunately, that as I said, that that's the way that most people are living their lives nowadays. Mark Zuckerberg, mm -hmm. uh, his goal is that by the year 2027, everyone will be living in the metaverse. And that is frightening to me. Yeah. Uh, I do believe uh, that beyond the politics that we're living in right now, that it's a lack of empathy. It's a lack of being able to relate to other human beings. It's uh, a lack of being able to uh, have a verbal conversation anymore because people are so quick to, some people will hit a like button before they've even read the post based on the person who posted it. Right. Because it's become a reflex action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm going to bring on our first guest. We've yeah. got two incredible people waiting in the wings. And one, 
we are meeting, I'm meeting for the first time uh, and she is muted. So unmute yourself. Uh, perfect. Um, Ruth comes to us through uh, my dear, dear friend, Erin Caleb, uh, who, by the way, is sponsoring this show today. Oh. So thank you, Erin, for that. Uh, but uh, Ruth, you are in the world of music. And let's talk about the work that you do. And communication, obviously, is very important to you. Communication is key, but yes, and it's on many different types of levels as well in uh, what my chosen field is now, which is sound therapy. And uh, I, I was a performer, a trained singer, performer for many, many years and uh, became a voice teacher for 20 years and uh, always loved the magic and science of sound and vibration and how your voice affects you. Um, your voice is this amazing instrument of healing and expansion, and it uh, it really gets well. What to use a, a show phrase? It gets second billing. <laughs> yes, you know, uh, truly, people don't understand the pro the profundity of it. And uh, yes, communication is key uh, for me with as a sound therapist for me to to be able to communicate with my clients, not only in a verbal way, but also in an intuitive way as well. Because sound, there, there's something about music and sound uh, that obviously affects us on different levels of our being. Uh, and I'm trying to marshal my thoughts here to say, to make it clear what I'm trying to say, but that we, we have to develop like a deeper listening in order to communicate better. And to your topic today, I, I think that people have lost that. It's an art form to listen deeply, not only to other people, but to your own inner voice. And uh, I feel like that's something that's very lacking in our society. Mm. Yes. Ruth, I'd like to ask you, um, because you are on various social media platforms, how, you know, let's talk about the pluses. How have yeah. you been able to incorporate social media into the work that you do? Oh, I'm, it's a definite plus for me, um, for sure, because that's the way I get out, um, you know, my events. Uh, what I do, I will do sound, what they call sound baths, mm -hmm. like you're being bathed in sound uh, on YouTube, on Facebook, uh, on Instagram. And because it really is, uh, it's an, I call it an ancient ancient art form that's being newly rediscovered. So people are somewhat familiar with it. Some aren't at all. So this, this, the wide ranging, um, uh, the wide range of social media helps me to basically raise awareness and to reach as many people as possible and to have a communication to educate people too, because I love to do uh, my YouTube videos to educate people mm -hmm. about sound therapy. Uh, and, uh, and just Facebook in general, just to kind of tell my uh, my local people where I'm going to be, if they want to come see me, uh, to advertise. It's all about marketing and advertising. So it's been tremendously helpful uh, for me as also this is a new business for me, um, uh, only maybe five years or so, maybe not even five years. And, uh, you know, that's hard to uh, build a business like that, uh, especially word of mouth is great, but. I need to, I wanted to reach a wider audience because I offer virtual sessions as well. So yes, it's been tremendously helpful. 
I do want to let everyone know uh, that all of your details, all of your links, everything will be on the YouTube channel. So anyone who wants to get in touch with you will be able to do so. Uh, so we'll get the word out about what you're doing. Um, Thank you. Those are all the pluses. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel from the work that you do, um, and we are in a profession where uh, communication is key, do you feel that people are losing the ability to communicate? I would say that no, it doesn't occur that way to me. Honestly, when I am one-on-one -on -one with a person, I, I almost, uh, I feel like people are hungry for it. Mm -hmm. They're hungry for that, that intimacy of conversation, the intimacy of the sound of another person's voice, mm. because you're getting so much more about the person, so many, so much more information mm -hmm. when you actually listen to a person's voice. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I tell people all the time, stop texting each other, pick up the phone and talk. You know, it's it, because it's totally different. It's a different conversation when you do that. Um, you, you, Otherwise, you don't get the nuance uh, that you do when you talk to somebody, uh, you know, verbally. I can really hear tone and delivery and cadence and all of these various factors that go into how we communicate with one another. Oh and I, gosh, yes. and that, that is something that we lose tremendously with any kind of social media interaction because there's no, uh, there is no context really to put it in. Absolutely. And that's why we use emojis <laughs> because you can't hear, right? That's right. Absolutely. Because that's we amazing. don't, Thank you. there's so many, there's so uh, many misunderstandings, potential misunderstandings that I've had to, you know, deflate uh, from just communicating via uh, text or email because yeah, there's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating actually. Uh, well, before we did the interview today, I did another interview. Um, this guy has a series uh, where he is uh, doing a whole series around the country uh, on the history of gay bars in New York. But he wanted to talk to me because I was very much a product of a lot of the piano bars uh, in the uh, 80s. Uh, and uh, the thing is, and we were talking about this today, people used to go out to these piano bars, because that was the only way that they would meet anyone. Mm -hmm. They were not meeting people through this platform of social media. And there are so many people I'm seeing in the comments here that I have truly gotten to know because of social media. So it does indeed have that plus to it. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, my, my fear is, as I said earlier, is just being another item in a newsfeed. Um, I, I believe, especially with what I've gone through recently, and I've dealt with a lot of loss this year, friends that are no longer here, that we um, are losing the ability to even take the time to grieve and mourn, that it's on to the next item. And it's true of so many things that are popping up in our feed. Um, I wanna bring on our next guest uh, very quickly, um, Richard Gazer is a dear friend of mine. He's been on the show uh, here before. He has his own podcast, um, which is phenomenal. Um, uh, because he, you've been on it, Richard. That's the reason. Of course. And I made it even more phenomenal. Uh, but Richard and I do communicate with each other. 
uh, both in person and over the phone. And I'm thrilled that he's here today. Um, Richard, tell everyone a little bit about the work that you're doing now. And then um, you and I, uh, I had an incredible time at your home a few weeks ago for dinner. And we talked about this subject. Yeah. And it was because of that conversation that I said, when we do this show, I would love for you to come on and offer your input. So first of all, what you've been doing currently, and then uh, we'll talk on the today's subject. I am about uh, 45 minutes past throwing the last set of files required for a 90-minute virtual fundraiser event that I've produced to a uh, Google Drive from which the guy who's going to transmit all those files at 5 p.m. Pacific is going to be drawing. So that happened about 45 minutes ago. And Richard, you can appreciate the crazedness that was going back and forth before you and I got together today. Uh, I, 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 produce, uh, I, I produce video for not-for-profits uh, doing their fundraisers. I've done a number of those, and, and most of that has gone very, very big uh, since COVID hit, as you can imagine. In fact, this whole thing just literally began as COVID hit, and suddenly I've done about 10 or 12 of these in the last two and a half, three years, because people have just decided it beats the hell out of rubber chicken dinners and you have an easier way of doing. But it's it's one of those niches within, let's call it social media, very much the way what we're doing right now is a niche within, a niche within social media. And just to quickly finish up what I am, I as, as Richard said, I do a podcast, Center Left Radio, and that's up, I do at least two or three of those new ones a week. Um, what do I do? I'm a, I do music. I, I, I do voiceovers. Um, I'm finishing up. We're re-editing the last episode of a 10 episode miniseries that I have to start marketing uh, very shortly. And I don't want to go much deeper than that because I want to be able to sashay over to what Judy and, and Ruth were saying a couple of minutes ago relative to and, and especially Judy earlier on the the differentiation between the personal and the business usage of social media. Now we are sitting here, the four of us, and Richard, you have exquisitely uh, utilized the best of the business. I, I would call it the business side of social media. It's personal. We're talking to people. And I am totally in agreement with Judy. And I think Ruth was kind of came in the same direction on this. And you, Richard, of course, that I, I've, I'm repulsed by much of what I see happening in the world of social media, how it's utilized and the problems that come with it. I have a Facebook account. I have <clears throat> I have a um, I, I, I don't know whatever else I have over there. I'm going to have to get back into all that as I market this mini series. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I have consternation about this because I'm not sure exactly. I, I have to relearn this. I, I keep going back and say, how did we all live before we had the Internet? Did, mm -hmm. I, I went to school. I, I, I went to law school. I, 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 I learned. I met people. I got married to people that I'd met without <laughs> media. I mean, are, are, but have we gone so far down this this proverbial rabbit hole that there's really no way out except to accept it permanently. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to accept that. In fact, even in my writing, one of the main themes towards the end of this particular miniseries is what happens after social media goes away completely. And I, and I even fantasize about the notion of not having it. 
Um, it's necessary. It's a business tool. I, my son uses it in his business. I'll have to use it in mine. I'm just looking for some rational way to draw a line between its utility function and its negative personal impact. I'm not sure how to do that. I'm, 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 I'm uncertain about that. Well, as you're speaking, two thoughts run through my head. First of all, uh, a throwback. Yeah. Um, I remember as a kid growing up in a household with one phone yeah. that yeah. was on the wall in our kitchen. Um, and if anyone <laughs> called you yeah. um, and you were on the phone, they got a busy signal. That's it right. didn't transfer into uh, right. this idea of call waiting or anything yeah. else. They got a busy signal. Yeah. And we, when you reached, and when I came to New York, um, one of my first survival jobs was working for the Green Room Answering Service, uh, and major celebrities were on the service. Um, a casting director would call with a list of people that would be uh, they would consider for a go see, and then once they sent us those, our job was to beep everybody mm. that was on that list. And the people who got back within a reasonable amount of time, meaning they could get to a payphone, because no one had phones to carry around, um, they, you know, that was the way that we got back. And I think that what social media also has done, um, on the negative side, is that it has taken away the ability to be patient. That everyone wants instant gratification. Yeah. And if someone Indeed. sends you a text message or they send you a message through Facebook Messenger or something, and you don't get back within a few minutes, they think something's wrong. Yeah. 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 yeah they take they take it very personally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I want to mention is um in the world of television. Uh, where everything signed off after the Johnny Carson show and uh, you got the national anthem and then a test pattern uh, for the next so many hours. Um, and I bring that up because I think that a lot of people actually go to bed with their phones on the nightstand next to them so that it's always there in our lives. And as you know, Richard, at your home, a testament to you and your gorgeous wife. Um, no one had their phones. No. Not one person. When we were having, and, 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 and I'm, I'm so glad you bring this up, Richard. At, at a dinner that we were having, there were maybe 10 or 12 of us uh, at our place uh, a couple, three weeks back. And Richard was, of course, if you think if you think he's good on his podcast, you should, you, should watch, you guys have hung with him live. He's my agent. Boy, oh boy. Richard is, I, I could have him, every day of the week but but in any event no one but no one ever once opened up or took out or checked on a cell phone mm -hmm. and i was you were conscious of that and i was just as conscious of it and in, and and we love doing dinner parties and people just don't now maybe most of the people who we are friends with and would consider having over for dinner parties are the type of people who probably wouldn't do it but you and I, we all know, you go into a restaurant, you go into a bar, you sit down. What's the first thing people do? Two people sitting across from each other at a table. <laughs> Take out your cell phone and put it and put it in front of you. And and that's it. <laughs> that's what the, that is communicating. I'm yeah. sure we've all seen this. 
two people sitting across from each other, calling each other and winding up getting each other on the phone or actually communicating, texting messages. And it's and, and, and you're aware that this is happening and you know it's wrong. But again, I, I get back to how what's the way out of this this hole? And it is a hole that we're in. Judy, you're the well, dog. Friend. <laughs> well, you know, it's an addiction. It yeah. really is. Yeah. We're dealing yeah. with an addiction. And, you know, what we know about addiction is that they're very hard to break. Yeah. Um, in general, they require, you know, complete abstinence. Now, that's a problem here, as you said, because of the business angle, right. Um, right. You know, which is a very important piece of this, right? Necessary mm -hmm. piece of this. Yeah. Um, and because... Safety reasons: People need cell phones, uh, including young people need cell phones in order to be able to reach parents and whatnot. So, there, you know, it, it's that fine. It's it's like a food addiction in that way. You know, we need food to survive. Yet, if somebody's addicted to food, has a real issue with food, it's a problem. Sure. Okay, you know, you have to be able to to walk that fine line and use it in a healthy manner. And I think that's really kind of the same. The same thing here is that level of self-discipline that people have to be able to develop. Um, parents need to, you know, certainly be able to foster that with their children and they're not fostering it. You know, what, to, to what you were just saying, Richard, you know, you see that all the time in a restaurant, right? You'll see the, every, everybody at the table, the kids, the parents, everybody's looking at their cell phones. And everybody, and everybody in a car seems to be on one of these things. I don't care how many laws they pass. I pass people on the street and the highway there and they're just chatting away. And they, yeah. and, I, and, and with two on hands. George Washington bridge. I've seen it, Unbelievable. You know, which is yeah, frightening. Exactly. And it's it's right. very dangerous. You know, it is, you know, it, it, Looking at your cell phone while driving is equivalent to driving drunk. Yes, <laughs> it, it, it's crazy. People, but people do it. Yeah, you know, all the time. Um, so it is. You know, the, there is no simple answer. No, I guess not. I guess not. Uh, beyond really, I think education more than anything, so that people can really identify just how necessary it is to have these self-imposed limits. There are ways you can set up a phone, for instance, where it won't come through. You know, somebody, you know, you put it on do not disturb and people can't actually get through to you. I do that all the time. Mine's on do not disturb. Um, but it's, you know, aside from these things and the, the, the biggest issue is with younger people, really. Yeah. Um, and the levels of depression and anxiety that have come from yeah. the the use, the constant use. Seven hours a day is typical for teenagers. Wow. Seven hours a day using social media. And, and they are relying on the likes uh, that they get on social media and Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and not getting those likes are having an emotional impact on these kids. <sighs> Um, right, they don't have the maturity yet. The uh, to to understand, you yeah. know, the locus of you know who they are, the confidence to basically say, you know, who cares, and that yet, what you were saying. That, that I'm sorry, Richard, I didn't mean. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm just thinking of what what Judy said about the education process. Right. That's what, what I was talking what about. What will we use as the medium for education? It's, How it's so we use social media to bring this educational process right. across and right. that and now we're in a circle. <laughs> you know? How do you how do you do you take the same thing that that injects the poison and change the head of the needle to use terrible analogies here? Suddenly start putting good stuff in your veins. 
Can, right. Is that a reasonable way of approaching this? I wonder. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, um, I, I look at it from um, the sound aspect of it, too. Uh, my husband still teaches piano, so we have a lot of young children coming into our home. We have a home studio. And these kids will, as you say, the first thing they do, they're on their phones um, uh, or, they, or they're, they're doing video games. And the, the music that the video games are attached to, that are coming out of those games, rather. The underscores. Are, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So is horrible. This the the it, it's repetitive. It's 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 crazy making the the quality of the music. So it's almost like who who would do that? I mean, why would you make a, a video game with that awful music? And because the kids are being subjected to this these what I call uh, unhealthy incongruent vibrations and frequencies that are making wow. them crazy. You know, I mean, I think it's really, as you say, there's so much more to this whole thing. And then you have, of course, the EMFs. They're all holding these things next to their bodies. And young girls who had the cell phones in their bras, I heard, were developing breast cancer. Mm. Uh, So, you know, it's like turn off that turn off that Wi-Fi, you know, before you go to sleep at night. And I and I'm sorry, yeah. and, and because you know I, I'm 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 a I'm a talk show host too, and I, and Richard, if I'm taking over, shut me up. And no, you, go ahead. I, you know I, I I'm just loving the conversation. Here. Ruth, you just hit something here that's just really got me resonating up here. A conscious effort on the part of video game producers to generate musical underscores that basically are designed to be something more than just a musical accompaniment. The, the music is actually an invasive element consciously. Are there any, are there any studies on this? Is there something that you're aware of? But this, no, this it's, is yeah. right? it's just, it, it, well, I, way. it does. But I think that there's a lot going on with that, you know, television, tell a vision um, yeah. that there's, there's a, there's a huge, what, what did, um, Rod Serling said uh, when TV first came out, there's a huge potential for this for good, but there's also a potential for some very negative things to happen because I feel that there's almost like a brainwashing and it's no, it's what I do. There's no, um, no secret to the fact that music sound is very, um, we are affected very deeply by that on a brainwave level. Mm-hmm. So if you are in, you know, you're constantly being exposed to these incongruent, very uh, kind of out of a line with who we are, um, so, tones and frequencies, that would absolutely have a, an effect on how you're, you're neuro, on you neurologically. It could mm-hmm. not. Because I can't some, imagine that this hasn't been studied very I can't imagine by, it the has. Game, by the game producers and the game creators. This right. is also such a, an, an intrinsic component. And, and uh, right. something nefarious being kind of slipped in there. Or, I, I don't, it's or just, whatever. Or, yeah. or unconscious even. You know, I yeah. mean, yeah. Well, and, and it's not just them. It's, it's the way that going back to, to social media, they are, social media is designed to keep you constantly engaged. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's part. Of, that's what they do because that's how they sell ads. Right. Well, I want to talk about that for a moment because in my research, uh, I've discovered there are teams of people studying algorithms on Facebook, mm-hmm. and 
and I lo- and I've looked at my own marketing over the past year with my show and everything. Um, it gives us a false sense that people are seeing our content. Um, when you've got, and I did, and I've reduced the numbers tremendously, 5,000 friends on Facebook, it's impossible to show up in everyone's feed. And if it did show up in everyone's feed, we would be like those cartoon characters where our heads explode because every single person popping every time they go on, uh, it would just drive us crazy. Um, A couple of weeks ago, I was watching Bill Maher and he had uh, Richard Haight, who is a scholar at Columbia University, talking about the impact of phones and how they've infiltrated into children's lives. And Laura Coates from CNN was speaking as well. Laura Coates says, first of all, she has two kids, um, eight and 13, Mm -hmm. and she refuses to allow them to have a cell phone. Mm -hmm. They have a watch with an alert, if anything happens, that they'll be able to contact her. But they don't have cell phones. And Bill Maher said, well, what do you do about these kids who are going, well, all my friends have a phone. Why don't I have it? And Laura Coates' response was, you can take it up with me in therapy when you're 30. Uh, (laughs) Because I think the parents parents have come through a generation. uh, My parents had no qualms about saying no to me as a kid. There were many things that I wanted growing up that I did not have. Um, And whether the reasons were right or wrong or indifferent doesn't matter. My parents set the tone Mm -hmm. for what was allowed and what wasn't allowed. And I think that we've gotten so used to kids. uh, Friends of mine who were teachers said, you know, as they're walking around in the classroom, kids have their phones down by their desk looking at their messages uh, and their attention span is out the window. Right. Uh, parents need to be able to say, no, you cannot have that phone. Yeah. Parents need to be able to set limits in general. <laughs> and, and boundaries, yes. And the whole discussion, because, uh, you know, yeah. I taught parenting um, at Santa Monica College for years. Um, and half the time, the par- parents wouldn't show up. They'd send the nanny, you know? <laughs> Well, that's the one profession, and it is a profession that no one trains you for. Right. Exactly. No. That's why. That's why I taught it. <laughs> no guidebook. <laughs> because it wasn't right. being taught, you know. Uh, but it's it, it. I have two kids as well, and you know, had very strict limits with them as they were growing up. A lot of the time, they didn't like those limits, and my attitude was very much "sorry," <laughs> you know. That's how it is. So soon, um, yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I wasn't worried about being their best friend. I was yeah. much more concerned with being a good parent, uh, and that's a, you know a huge problem uh, I think that we face. Um, and again, that's I think that's a whole other issue here. But you know, with, with you know the use of social media, this is how kids relate to one another these yeah. days that that's what they use to connect with with each other um you know they leave they do it all day in school this is how they get in seven hours right of mm-hmm. social media use uh as well as then they go home and rather than participating in something um live <laughs> like you know 
sports or drama or music or whatever, or they'll do a little bit of that and then go home and be on Instagram, you know, uh, or TikTok or one of the other, you know, major platforms. Um, it, it's just, it's become rampant, uh, just a, a, a endemic in our, our society at this point. And it, it really is going to require probably some kind of actual uh, legislation around some of the ways that social media operates yeah. uh, and the misinformation. Well, I mean, we live in this convoluted world right now mm-hmm. where lines are so blurred. I mean, right now we're dealing with First Amendment you know, laws and everything, the, the right of what a person can say or not say. Right. Um, and in the case of uh, Twitter, for example, um, their uh, regulations department, for lack of a better word, uh, has been eliminated completely. Um, Valerie Bertinelli um, just recently um, went on and created an account under the name Elon Musk mm. because she wanted to show how easy it was to do that. And there are no restrictions to stop one from doing that. Mm. Um, there was a time, and I was reading an article yesterday about uh, Twitter. Um, after you got a certain number of uh, followers on Twitter, you would get a check mark that legitimized who you are on that uh, platform. And they, it wasn't just that you got the check mark because I applied for it. Um, they also had to make sure that you were legitimate in terms of articles being written about you, perhaps books that you have written, anything to prove that you are who you are in that platform. Yeah. And one of the things that, again, Elon Musk did was say anyone who pays $8 can get a check mark. Yeah. And it delegit- delegitimizes yeah. the people who, were, um, who have worked to get that uh, credit. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have the boundaries of, I mean, thank God of what we've gone through this past year, or this year, I should say, with Alex Jones using social media for... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, for nothing more than terror, to inflict terror mm-hmm. in the lives of people. And I have a, a dear friend, someone that you know as well, Richard, you may remember this. I'm not going to out the friend, uh, but she was uh, cyber bullied really badly mm-hmm. on fa- on uh, Facebook. Yeah. And they took images of her and distorted yeah. them. They took the most unflattering photographs. How they got these photographs, no one knows. They were posted all over Facebook, and she went through hell trying mm-hmm. to get this eliminated yeah. uh, from her feed, and and it was showing up in everyone else's feed as well. And she really had no idea of where it was going, who was seeing it, or anything. Again, the boundaries are all, and you know, Pam Stubbs, you know, says social media is uncharted territory. As far as we've gone. It's like for every step that we take, we take three steps backwards. Um, We don't know how to regulate any of this. If we don't start somewhere though, if we, my, my, my thing is, and again, I I don't, I don't, I don't do a lot of law. I'm I'm an attorney, but I don't do, that's the least of what I do these days. Mm -hmm. The, you need some legislative concept that will affect, and we're, we're going beyond pure copyright, we're going beyond a lot of other things. You literally have to direct this at social media 
And there has been this real reticence to do this. We've allowed a lot of judicial decisions to basically partially direct who we are and where we're going. I think there has to be some fundamental base work, some fundamental groundwork lay. Okay, here is what social media is. Here's what you can and cannot do as a starting point and codify that. Make it and, and make certain things really wrong and maybe even criminal, or at least set liability factors in there. You you will be you will be prosecuted or you will have the right to at least a tort action if in fact you go ahead and say something that you shouldn't say if it's a lie. We, we got to get that much going. Now, there'll be pushback and pushback and pushback. Otherwise, though, if we don't at least get some common ground, and I would suggest it be in, in a federal legal level, federal law, so it's affecting all the states, we are, we are simply going to be talking and making a lot of sense talking, but we're not going to be getting a hell of a lot done. Mm-hmm. And, and if we so we, we just need that foundation, the Congress, which is so divided right now in so many other ways for so many other ridiculous reasons, doesn't have the capacity to. Uh, got I think to you hit a button or something, Richard. We're getting a little feedback I'm, there. Not, no, oh. not me. No, but I want to. I'm going to. I've got no, a question. I want to ask each of you, and I want to get back to our topic uh, today. And uh, Judy, I'll start with you. Um, how do you personally set boundaries uh, on social media? I set boundaries in everything in my life all the time. <laughs> my kids call me the queen of boundaries. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> um, I Well, one way I personally handle social media is if somebody tries to engage me in a fight, for instance, on social media and in any manner, shape or form. I just, I simply refuse to participate. That's it. I don't, I just don't respond. I ignore it. And that's a boundary. I won't participate. If you, and it doesn't exist then. then the fight doesn't exist then. That's exactly right. You can't fight with someone who's not fighting with you. That's right. right? right. So or someone that, you don't know. Or yeah. you know why yeah. engage? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one, you know, one way of doing it. Again, I don't go on social media very, very often. Mostly what I'll do is I'll kind of I'll check Instagram, but I'll just like check my kids feeds or something just to see what they're doing, um, you know, uh, today. Right. Yeah. Um, or, you know, occasionally go on to, uh, you know, just see if I had any messages in there that I actually need to respond to for some reason, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but I really have weaned myself away almost completely from it already. Um, maybe to my detriment in some ways, you know, because I'm not not even using it really for business that much anymore. I mean, I have a website and if people know, you know, how to get to me or, you know, Mm -hmm. want to look me up, they can. And I have a lot of information posted on my website that's really helpful for people. Um, But aside from that, I'm I'm just, I really just don't engage. I stay away from it. Uh, You know, I, and again, I think, you know, there are, there are benefits to using social media. I know my husband uses it a lot to actually stay in touch with, but also to argue with people he knows, personally knows, uh, who are politically very different from him. And he's extremely logical. Uh, 
very well researched. He was he's a writer producer, as Richard knows. Uh, read and, his book. What do you say for Chocolate Jesus? Right. I highly recommend it. <laughs> Funny book, but on the money, it's very good. He's a documentary a television writer producer for History Channel and Discovery Channel, mm -hmm. people like that. Uh, so he's he's extremely you know, fact focused. That's <laughs> the best way I can describe it. Yeah. And he'll just use fact to uh, argue with some of his friends, people he's, he knows who are politically very different and knows that, you know, he may never change their mind, but at least it'll make them think a little bit. But uh, I want to ask a question about that. Uh, when he is doing this, uh, I'm hoping uh, that those that he is engaged with or are engaged with uh, are open-minded enough. And he's open-minded. I know uh, him very well that he would listen to them. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'm, my hope is that they're open-minded to have a discussion on the subject. Yeah, and and it, it, absolutely, he you know he's very respectful, and they tend to respond in kind. Mm -hmm. And in fact, he hasn't he hadn't been on for about a week or, or so, which is unusual for him. Um, and three different people who are the, the people that he engages with politically all the time reached out and said, "Hey, you okay?" <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, before I move on to you, Ruth, um, I, you know, uh, Danielle uh, has a comment here and she said that she was doing something which I also did. I removed the apps for my phone for both Facebook and Twitter. So I don't even have those apps on my phone anymore. Uh, I only am there when I go online. Uh, so Ruth, I'm going to ask you the same question. How mm. do you set the boundaries uh, for when it comes to social media? Well, very similarly to Judy, uh, I do not engage. Um, I, I'm not really confrontational type of person. I don't really, I'm not argumentative. At least I don't think I am. <laughs> I ask my husband. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. I think one or two times maybe I've gone on and I've written a post or something that felt important to me and have, you know, started a whole thread of all these negative comments. And I just went, yeah. screw this I deleted the post yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. I just yeah it's like I don't I don't want to engage in that so mm -hmm. basically yes I'm, I'm very I pretty much just do it for business uh, what I do notice about myself and how I need to set my own personal boundaries with it is you know sitting in front of the tv a commercial comes on oh let's see what's going on with Instagram <laughs> you know it's like why and yeah. I'm going and I'm doing it and I'm, and I'm asking myself, why am I doing this? This is stupidity. What, what? And I put it away, you know, so to and I, you know, just to make that make sure that I, you know, keep myself uh, on the straight and narrow to uh, just to question myself, to have an awareness. Do I really need to look at this stupid phone? And it's almost like when I was quitting cig cigarettes, <laughs> right? I. I had, I had the, the way I did it with cigarettes was I had a pack of cigarettes. I kept it in a drawer away from my, out of my sight and I kept it in the drawer and then I'd pull the drawer out and I'd say, do I need to have a cigarette? No. Can I wait another hour? Yes. I can wait another hour, put the cigarettes back. That's mm -hmm. how I quit. And it's almost like I have to do the same thing with this. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, I it's actually this. funny. That's exactly it. Having awareness, you know, when you. In Europe, they have, I mean, a lot of companies have gone to the point where companies are not able to contact their employees uh, from 6 p.m. until 9 a.m. the next morning. 
And when I, you know, I'm on my computer during the day, when Danny comes home, I turn my cell phone off completely. I don't even look at it. If anyone needs to reach me, they can reach me by phone. Uh, And Richard, that goes to what you said earlier of going back to what it was like before. Yeah. Most people have my phone number and, or I'm very accessible. People know how to reach me. They don't need to reach me through my iPhone. Uh, And it saves, you know, a lot there because I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. So Richard, um, how are you setting boundaries? when it comes to social media? I, well, again, I'm, I, I go back to what Judy was saying earlier, and I'm of that ilk, that school. I don't use it a lot. I use it, my, my most constant use of social media is precisely what we're doing right now, which is doing my, mm-hmm. my podcast feed. Mm-hmm. But but what I'll also do is I'll run it on what we call a radio loop. And I have, a, I have another computer here in the studio. You're looking away from the wall with all the stuff on it right now. And basically I have it running so that people can literally get it in an analog kind of a form. And I say this on the show in the beginning, you know, by the way, we have this other way of listening to the show right now. If you want to pretend that you're just turning the dial on your radio in your car and you want to feel like it's 1963 and blah, blah, blah. And you got our arm around and just Try it this way and hit that link. You'll pick up the show wherever it is. And, and it's, it's a bit of a, it's a retro kind of a concept, but I, I feel good about presenting what we're doing that way. Mm. Other than that, Richard, you will rarely find me in a thread going up and down in Facebook. I, I get all of these informations. There's one group of people who I was very close to when I was young, or two groups. One is a family group and I, I stay with them and I was sort of a, side member of that family and the other are a bunch of guys that i was with from high school that i've recently reconnected with and at least once a month these guys we we went to a a pretty pretty good school here in new york a place called regis high school i don't know if anyone knows it listening to but in any event these guys are smart and i feel dumb and we get together and we put together a panel show and we'll do one of my center left radio shows with these guys at least once a month. And that's when we get the most hits for the show. And these guys are thoughtful and they're bright. And my way of setting boundaries is not so much setting the boundaries, but defining the higher capacities. I, 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 I'm, 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 trying to, I'm trying to basically thread this little, little path over here back to what you said about boundaries. I'm not so much setting boundaries. I'm trying to utilize this damn thing to its best, to its best capacity, but I still go back to the same thing. Someone's got to have the guts mm-hmm. to basically codify this thing. And mm-hmm. then we have something to push off of. Otherwise we're just talking about what's wrong and nothing gets done. But what we do do is what we can do in our own professional lives, all of us, basically how we utilize it, at least within our business lives and be responsible in our personal lives. But you still got to get the codification out there. Someone has to have the guts to get that going. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Absolutely. Well, I can't believe this hour has just been flying by. So I'm going to give my closing remarks today. And then I'm going to turn it over to you, Ruth. And you could be about anything that we've talked about today that you want to build upon. Anything we didn't talk about that you wish that we had. 
uh, or just any final message that you want to leave everyone with today uh, on this subject or anything else for that matter. Uh, and then Richard, you, and then Judy, you'll have the final word today. Um, I am thinking, you know, it's very interesting. Um, I am uh, doing a concert here in Rockland County, first time that I've done anything live in three years. So I'm very excited about that on uh, Sunday night, Richard, on uh, Saturday night. I'm thrilled that you're coming, Richard. Yeah, yeah. But um, the show that I'm doing is called Christmas Memories, and I've got some great entertainers that are joining me. And as I've been thinking about these uh, Christmas memories, I'm thinking about what this year is all about for so many people. Um, I'm singing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. And those of you who know the verse, it says Christmas past is past. Christmas future is far away. Christmas present is here, bringing joy that will last. And I think more than any other type uh, time of year, those three elements of past, present, and future just are intermingling. And mm -hmm. a lot of people are going through a lot of things right now. Uh, uh, people have been disenfranchised because of COVID. I got my booster last night. Uh, so people are uh, not really in touch with each other the way we used to be. Um, and my hope is that, and my reasons for stepping away, is that it's very important to me to have that sense of communication. Uh, as an entertainer, uh, it's all about me and the audience. And I love doing this, uh, and I love all of you who show up. Uh, but there's nothing like the human connection. Ruth, her profession is built on this communication sounds hearing a person's voice and i think it's important that especially this type of year as all of you who watch my show regularly know i end my shows by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return and i'm also reminded of the fact that it's very important that we take the time to reach out with a phone call once in a while if you all sit down, we talked about sounds and everything, but also embrace the silence. Sit down and listen and meditate and think about those people that you have not spoken to in a while mm -hmm. and reach out with a phone call, not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call and let that person know what they mean, how they matter in your life. Uh, I always ended my shows prior to this meme that someone sent me uh, based on a comment from a dear friend of mine, Sean Moniker. And he always says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And this meme that someone sent me said, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different size boats. Some people are in canoes. Some people are in yachts. Some people are in kayaks. Some people are on dinghies. Some people are on tugboats, pushing everything upstream. My comment on all that is I don't care what size boat you're on or in. Make sure if you're going to do it, you've got a skipper by your side. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to turn it over to you, Ruth. And thank you for being here today. And you too, Richard. And then Judy, you've got the final word today. Good thank to see you. you. Thank you. My pleasure, really, to be here with you all. Um, it's just it's such a great conversation. And it really, to me, it really points to, in a way, um, what 
what's good about social media and what's good about the internet and the, and the connectivity is because we are seeing how connected we really are. We, we are completely connected. And uh, what's that thing about the fish is swimming in the water, but doesn't know it's the water. You know, we, we don't, we're in, we're in the, the soup, you know, we, we are part of it. Uh, and I feel like that communication in this way could also be a stepping stone to communicating in another way, which is the way that shows us that we all are connected. When you think of somebody and they call you on the phone, you know, that day, there is an, there is a higher connection that we, that we all have, that we are all part of. And in order to, I think really start to develop that, that, that inner sound, that inner voice, uh, that inner listening, it does require putting the phone down, you know, put the phone down, turn off the computer, get up from the computer, go outside, stand on the beautiful mother earth, the bare grass with your feet, not shoes, you know, stand and, and soak up all that beautiful energy and just breathe and connect. I do that almost every day, uh, weather permitting, of course, and I can't tell you what a difference it's made in just my general feeling of being centered and in my body. And I think that's what the downside of social media, of course, is that it takes us up here. We're living from the neck yeah. up, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And the more we can be in our bodies, uh, and I do realize that, you know, with this comes with maturity, you know, with, with some life experience, this realization. Uh, and a lot of the kids are like, oh, this is so much fun. They're just having a good time. <laughs> you know, they're not even thinking about the downside of it, right? Uh, but but even if you can cultivate that in your children, in fact, tomorrow I'm doing a, a sound presentation for a, a group of a homeschooling co-op uh, with about 16 kids. And uh, that's, I'm going to just, I, I just want to take them all outside and just play in the grass and bring the instruments out there. Um, it's just, we have to start really working with our children to, you know, show them that there is another way of being here on planet earth besides just, uh, you know, focusing on that one aspect of your, you know, of your friends and, you know, what, what are your friends doing and do they like me? And although yeah. I know, yeah, but, but it is, it, there is a, uh, a reconnection I think is very important too. Uh, to our human, our human nature, our physical human nature, our biological nature, uh, which is just being outside and connecting to the earth. That's you huge. just made me think of something. Thank you, Ruth. <laughs> One of my favorite things in the world to do, uh, I, and I am right across the river from where Richard is. Uh, we're, we're up right mm -hmm. near the bridge and we're here and he's in Rockland. I'm over here in, uh, in Westchester. But there's something called the Rockefeller Preserve. And it's a, uh, this beautiful, I don't know, six or 700 acres. And it's within a five minute drive of where I am. I'm very fortunate. And the thing that I love to do more than anything else on the planet is as early in the morning as humanly possible. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a very early, very early riser. And uh, once I've gotten tea for my wife and I, then at some point, maybe just as it's getting light, I'll get out and go to some point in that preserve and do two miles, three miles, there's up and down, there's all over the place. And I never 
it never ceases to amaze me that as I am what they what the Japanese love to call uh, forest bathing. I don't know what the Japanese translation is, but that's what it comes out to in English. Forest bathing. I suddenly have the best ideas for what I want to write, for what show I'm going to do next, for what I might do in the way of an edit for something. Everything that makes for the best expression coming out of me, the most creativity, starts with just getting back to the basics. And the best conversations I have with people, I have found, are, are rooted usually on the days when I have the best of the best walks. So I, I suppose what I'm coming back to is you, you, you become the best in terms of conversation when, and, and the best in the way of communication when you are able to make the foundation not the social media thing that we have, but the reality of the world around us. There's just so much beauty out there. And especially up here in the Northeast this time of the year when it's getting colder and uglier, but it's so damn beautiful. We live here because the seasons change. Judy, you're down in Florida, I know, and they don't change a whole heck of a lot down there. Uh, and uh, oh, I defer to you. There you go. <laughs> I'm from Westchester, Richard. That's where I grew up. <laughs> so I know it well. I yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you. We really appreciate you being with us today, both of you. And I, I couldn't agree more. We all need to get out of the house and connect with the earth, connect with the sea, connect with the air around us. Be really mindful of your surroundings as you do that. Um, and be very conscious about your use of social media, the good and the bad, how much time you actually spend on it, and think of all the other things you could be doing with that time. Uh, you know, I, I read a lot. And I find that by not engaging with social media very much, it leaves me a lot more time to read a book, uh, which is far more rewarding in the long run. So be conscious of what you do in all aspects of your life. And it can make a tremendous difference. I'm also going to be posting, coincidentally, uh, I received a, uh, an email today from... Alex at cellphonedeal.blog, who sent me a, a terrific email all about social media and mental health statistics. And I'm going to be putting that up on my website, drjudybloom.com. So if you'd like to see that, that should be up within the next day or two. Okay, everyone. Have a good evening. 